Thank you, Justin. Yeah, so let's, I, I want to talk about this idea of spiritual growth for a little bit and kind of just seeing, you know, Paul is recognizing that they are still infants in their faith. They are still not able to digest, be able to look at the scriptures, to um, know God. In, they're still in, a, in an infancy. And he's saying, you're still, I gave you the milk, not solid food. You were able to receive that, but you're still not growing. You're, you're kind of a stagnated growth here, which, you know, makes me think, how often do we see that in our own lives? Or do we go through periods where we just are stunted? We're not developing our own spirituality. We're not drawing closer to God. And I kind of wanted to just launch off of this idea and throw out the question, um, discuss maybe the spiritual growth from a baby to an adult. Uh, You know, when we were first parenting, you know, we would take a picture of our kids every week, right? You know, it's like one week old, two weeks old, one month old, you know, and all the way up. Uh, we compared our, we had a little uh, stuffed animal, a little teddy bear that we set the kids next to, and you can kind of compare how old they are, you know, how big they're getting compared to that. And it was, it's a fun thing. It's usually the first child syndrome, and the third kids you just forget about altogether. Um, but that kind of incremental growth, you don't see it from week to week. But once you compare the pictures, you go, oh, wow, they've really grown from one month and three months and nine months. You see that development in our physical beings. And yet, you know, if you don't develop physically, when you become older, you know, that becomes grotesque. That not developing is just, you know, something's wrong here, that they're not growing in the way that they need to. But we have a harder time with the indicators of spiritual growth in, in the spiritual realm because we just we don't see it as much. We can't recognize it as much. And, you know, so for them, it was obvious to Paul, but not obvious to the Corinthians. And so, you know, I was trying to think through what is it that causes a lack of growth, or maybe we'll look at it in a minute of um, what are the indicators of spiritual growth. But, you know, um, I mean, maybe you can help me with this, but I've got a few things listed that will kind of help us begin this. Um, One is just inadequate study of the Bible. I think you just have to have that input in your own personal life that has to be feeding you. It has to be digested by you. You have to have a personal relationship with the scriptures. You, you need to know your Bible. You need to know not just, oh yeah, I, I've read that before, but digging into that, this inadequate study of the Bible. Um, if, if you have thoughts on any of these, you know, let me know. 
Um, you know, sometimes it's just a low expectation of my individual growth. It's hard to set out specific goals for my spiritual growth sometimes beyond I read my Bible today. Uh, It's difficult to try to enumerate what it is and those indicators. Jesse? Yeah, and if, if you haven't joined the Bible reading program, I would still encourage you to do that. You can get on the app. There's still some paper copies back here. But just that intentionality of reading the Bible, reading the scriptures, being in the Word, I think is important. Roy. The problem here is not what a knowledge. They can't move beyond where they are because they're making decisions based upon emotions mm. and upon the desires of the flesh. It's not about knowledge, it's about they have made decisions based on the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not just knowledge, and, and again, it's not just reading your Bible. It it has to go beyond that to go. Oh yeah, I read through the Bible last year. Yay me, I'm growing. It, it is more than that. It has to manifest itself in our lives on a daily basis. Our interactions with each other. It's how the body works. It's it's how we all interact with each other. And so, yes, it is more than knowledge. I was thinking about their infancy, where mm-hmm. they've all just been pulled out of the world. It's the very early stages of the church. So we're, we have the, uh, the advantage of like 2,000 years of, of maintaining this. Well, their elders would be on the same playing field or, or level. We're all Good point. Jesse, no. Robin. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Ryan and then Robin. Yes, yeah, like when we uh, are instructing our kids and trying to get them to do something or learn something that they come with a bad heart or a bad attitude, we back up. And we work on that first before we give them something that's a little harder and see that. It's evident that they haven't observed. There, there should be people who look at the They can't grow until they have the spirit in them, and that affects. 
and we can learn a lot from the Corinthians. You know, in their immature state, uh, we can. Uh, if they were a perfect church, we wouldn't have these uh, great discussions. So that's important, probably. I can't help but think um, about Matthew chapter 13 talking about the parable of the soils. You know, when we're talking about spiritual growth and you have this idea of the good soil and the rocky soil and the thorny soil, that kind of helps break some of this down to go, okay, so what does it look like to be growing, to have a fruitful harvest at the end of, well, throughout our lives. What is it that um, is there? And, and you see those things, you know, with um, verse 21, Matthew 13, you know, when affliction or persecution occurs because um, of the word, they immediately fall away. You know, you get this pressure from outside um, that we haven't given up the worldly things. We have those things. And then the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. We see those things stifling this idea of spiritual growth. I think that plays a major factor into it as well, Micah. I appreciate the ideas of blending of practices and attitudes for us to, to have markers of growth. Because we need both practices and the right attitudes. And we're going to see in chapter 13 that it doesn't And this is where the whole book is headed toward, right? I mean, that's, we know chapter 13 of, you know, that love is the answer. Love is that manifestation of, we're not just all learned scholars and we know our every, you know, tell me, you know, Revelations 12, 18, and everybody can say it at the same time. I mean, it's more than just knowledge. It is they are known by their love. You will know they are Christians by their love. It is an interaction between each other that spiritual growth is, how do I treat you when maybe you're not, <laughs> not the best and, and vice versa. When I'm just not a great example, are you loving to me? How are we building each other up? How are we looking at the world? They will know we're Christians by our love. That is where we're headed toward. Luke.
Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Because spiritual growth is, is hard to see. And, you know, it's not just young men coming up to the pulpit and, and doing a scripture reading or doing a prayer, although that's part of it. But it, it's more than the public worship of, okay, yeah, they're really putting themselves out there. They're doing more things publicly. Yeah, that doesn't encompass that. So let's look at some ideas. What is it... Um, what are some indicators of spiritual growth? How can we recognize it? I, I don't know that it's going to be completely evident, but what are those things that are indicative of spiritual growth? Because growth is not linear. We know that. Growth is an up and down thing. There is an ebb and flow to our spirituality. We've all gone through that. I don't need to explain it to you. You know, the zeal that you had early on in your Christian walk, um, it was probably palpable. I mean, you just digging into the scriptures, that feeling of grace and mercy just overwhelming you. I, I mean, I remember the night I was baptized. It just it was like, oh, the weight was lifted. The, the yoke was easy. Um, all of those things, and, and you dig in, and you, you really enjoy that. And there are times in your life that it just doesn't come that easy anymore. Um, I want to show you a slide just a little bit. I'm, I don't have time to uh, explain all of this, but this was a, a concept um, developed through the counseling, biblical counseling program. And I, I found it very helpful um, of this idea of... You know, you, you begin with that hunger and thirst, you learn the truth, you apply the truth, you rejoice in the truth, and then you may have a setback. There, there are things that are in your life that kind of put you on a downward cycle. Um, but you have a contract mind, you seek the truth, you renew your mind, you confess those sins, you get rid of those things, and you go through the cycle again of applying the truth, um, rejoicing in the truth. Then you again have these ups and downs. Uh, you know, either a trial or a misunderstanding of a trial. You know, why is this happening to me? Uh, it's hard to see those purposes throughout that. But again, it is not a linear growth. We all know that. So what is it that we can look and know, hey, I'm I'm figuring this out. I am seeing how God's Word is living in me. What are some ideas here? Let me give you one. Um, I think becoming eternally focused is very important. Um, you know, Matthew 16, 26. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? When we have a mind shift of eternality, understanding that I'm only here for that vapor period, that there is something beyond this life, I think that is an indicator of spiritual growth. Understanding, man, it really doesn't matter what happens to me now, or you know, this isn't the way that I would have planned it, um, but I see that this has eternal ripples. That these things are 
um, not so bad in the view of eternity. I think that helps me put things in perspective, puts challenges in perspective, um, and makes it much more endurable to know, you know, I'm on God's side, he's going to win, and we're going we're gonna to move on from that. Carrie? One of the things that has helped me is instead of doing good, um, I've always tried to do good, but it's focused more on becoming more like God. Okay. And when you focus on that, you, you do different things with a different attitude, I guess. Okay, yeah, because good is a, a very movable target. Be, trying to be good is very difficult to do. Um, becoming more like Christ, more uh, glorifying of Him is uh, a little more tangible, not always easy. Raymond? Um, think that helps in a, in a number of ways. It also helps in the same vein to bring that peace that goes beyond understanding. The Philippians 4.17. That idea that you, you've seen the movies where you know they're in a battlefield and everything gets quiet, right? You're kind of in the zone. Things are happening around you that are chaotic, but that person's in the zone and everything kind of slows down for you and they're able to do what they're needing to do. We see that in a movie all the time. I feel like that same concept is what this is talking about, that peace that goes beyond all understanding. That idea that it's going to be okay. No matter what challenge you're going through, no matter what difficulty, it, it is God's on my side. He is fighting for me. We are going to get through this together. That peace that goes beyond all comprehension. And, you know, it, I could go... It, through a, a number of examples in my life where I have felt that palpably, but you know, the loss of my father, you know, that there are just the things that it's like, it's okay. It, it'll be all right because there is a peace there that I know that there is a God in heaven and he is in control. That helps me. And when we can deal with conflicts, when we can deal with the challenges of this life and not get bogged down to go, why is this happening to me? Why God, you know, we'll go, hey, this is an opportunity. I, I'm learning here. Mike, Misha.
And, and recognizing those things and, and mentioning it out loud, you know, hey, you know, God has really given me strength today or uh, just mentioning God and Jesus in our personal lives and that we're recognizing that, that we're giving him the glory more often, I think is important as well. Great. on Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, definitely helpful. Um, kind of on the flip side again um, of eliminating things in our life that are bogging us down. You know, as, as Matthew 13 and the parable of the soils, you know, talking about the anxiety of the world. I will delicately walk up on my soapbox for just a minute. Uh, bear with me. For me, and this is my own experience, so take it for what it's worth. For me, the news was tearing me apart. It was putting me in a bad place where I was only feeling negativity and there was nothing being gained by that. If you're having a difficult time with spiritual growth, I would at least suggest eliminating news from your life. It's only negative. There's nothing you can do about it. We live in a, a very interesting time of, of the world that we get every bit of bad news instantly in our lives. It doesn't matter what the story is, it's always negative. I, and you can't get away from it. You know, I turned my truck on and I didn't have my phone connected. And, you know, there was this story about the, all the rains out in California. And, and instead of, you know, it's been a, a decade of drought in California. Instead of like, hey, they finally got rain. It's a complete 16 people were died in, you know, the floods in California. And 70% is under a flood warning. And it's like, it's always negative. That anxiety of the world that is choking us, if you're having a hard time growing spiritually, I'll just recommend try to get that out of your life. It's a poison. It's a drug. I'm convinced of it. And you can't eliminate all of that. And, and the, the news that is really news, people are going to tell you anyway. Hey, did you hear about that? And you're like, oh, no, but tell me anyway. 
um, because I don't listen to anything. Control that. If you're having a difficult time, I would suggest getting rid of the anxiety of the world through the news system. So I'll step back down off my soapbox and we'll move along. Jesse and then Luke. Zig Ziglar used to say, I read the newspaper every day and the Bible every day. That way I know what both sides are up to. That's a fat one. Luke. So I think that is part of spiritual growth. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention was, and I think I haven't developed this in my own brain as much as I need to, but I feel like servanthood is a indicator of spiritual growth. It goes along with that idea of love. But, you know, again, Philippians 2, 3, you know, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This idea of servanthood, of helping, serving, finding ways that you can help each other. That goes beyond just a rote knowledge of the scripture. It is Observing It is seeing, how can I help Robert? How can I help Caitlin? How can I help Tony? What is it that's going on in their lives that they could use an encouragement? And maybe that's just, hey, you're in my prayers. Or sending them a text and going, hey, I prayed for you today. The way that I can serve you is an indicator of spiritual growth. That you're putting others first in your life. And I think that's a big one. Um, Jen. Um, also seeking wise counsel. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm writing that down. Yeah, seeking wise counsel. Just finding others that can encourage you, lift you up help you navigate some of those weird things in your life to go, oh, man, I'm really struggling here. I, I'm, I'm having a difficult time getting out of that trough that I'm in and finding others that can help you in those areas. Jill? Confession, yes. Because if we could do it all ourselves, we would do it all ourselves, right? 
we all get to the point where it's like, I just need to do better. It's like, no, you, you've got you've to ask for help. You've got to ask God to go, look, I can't do this on my own. I, I, I am incapable. It is through the power of Jesus that we can do all things, not do all things in and of themselves on my own. It is the power of Jesus that allows me to do all those things. And I think that's important as well. Um, I like this topic. I know we could talk a lot more. But I think this idea that the, the Corinthians were having a difficult time getting going, getting growing. And I think we find ourselves in those cycles sometimes as well. And so I think uh, their example helps us a lot. Let's, um, any other last comments before we move on? All right, let's uh, read verses 4 through 11. If I could get a reader. Misha, you got one more comment? Okay, that's right. I just wanted to add a prayer then. And not just a prayer, but turn to prayer first instead of the last result. Say that again. Yes, yeah. Turning to prayer first instead of that last resort. Like, oh, yeah. There, I need to pray to God. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's important. Uh, can I get a reader for uh, verses 4 through 11? Anybody do that, Bob? 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 11. So if you were to categorize this whole chapter, I would think uh, you could probably put glory not in men. And this idea that the Corinthians were having of, um, <laughs> I almost envision some teenagers with a, a poster of Paul in the room, you know, and then the, another group with a picture of Apollos, you know, hey, this is my guy. I really, uh, I like following them. You know, this is who I want to uh, uh, hitch my wagon to. And he's saying, look, it's not about us. It's not about um, what we have done. It's the power of Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We're just advocates for that same growth process. Um, We're not claiming superiority because we planted a seed. That is just what we do. It's God who takes that seed and can work in lives. And I am super impressed, and I do not understand how God knows every one of us. He knows every situation that every single person is in. The 
factors that played into that and people who are coming to work in their lives. I cannot comprehend that, but I believe it to be true. To know that God is working in my life. He's bringing people into my life to help me grow and to be an encouragement to me. What a great God we serve. There's just no other way to express that. I pray often. It's like, I don't know, but God, I know you know what is going on with that person And I know you know the best result for them that is most glorifying to you. Let that happen. I pray that a lot because I don't know. I can't in my finite ability to see your situation. I'm I'm struggling with this or I have this challenge in my life. It's like, I don't know how to help you, but I know someone who does. And what a blessing that is. What a relief that is that we don't have to go around trying to fix all these problems to know our Father in Heaven has the answer. He is the one orchestrating these things and He knows each one of us intimately. What a blessing. Um, I don't know how, how to even comprehend uh, that. Thoughts on this idea about planning, watering, Um, or even being built upon the foundation of Jesus. I think there's a lot there. I don't know if we're going to be able to to delve into that at all, but John? Yeah, um, I think it's almost as if their whole problem with their dissensions is based on them not looking fundamentally enough, right? It's like they're still having milk and not this solid food, which is what's supposed to fundamentally unite them. There are some dissensions that may run so deep that they are not resolvable. Like if you said, we're going to Let's, uh, time flies when you're having fun, right? Let's uh, move on, in, unless there's other comments. Let's read uh, verses 12 through 17. Um, if I could get a reader for that. Anyone, anyone? Doesn't matter. Micah? Uh, 12 through 17, please. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as in fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 
And so he's, he's looking at this um, idea of this foundation. You know, the, the foundation has been laid, and we have to be careful of what we're doing on that foundation. And he, he mentions these uh, six things, you know, gold, silver, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. You know, I, I couldn't help but think of the three little pigs here. Uh, you know, it just it lends itself to that. But it's the same, same idea, right? I mean, there are things, the, the bricks last longer than the, the house of straw, right? There is a fundamental um, building structure that is better than others. And this idea of um, fire challenge, um, difficulty, what's going to shake your foundations? What's going to stand? What are you putting your faith on? Is it something temporal? Is it wealth? Is it a job? Is it a marriage? Is it a, a, a functional family? What is it that we're putting our faith in that if that goes away, we're now just floundering? We don't even know what's going on. What is it that we're putting our faith into that is establishing us that brings that peace that goes beyond understanding he's saying be careful what you put your faith on that's a challenge for us as Americans that live in this affluent society where things go so well for us most of the time but you know, when egg prices get all crazy, where you just go, oh, what's going on? The world's good. It's like, come on. Eh? The things that we won't worry about when this life is over shouldn't bother us now. I think of those who have passed on before to go, they don't worry about that in the least once we're beyond this life am i allowing the things that are uncertain shake my faith so much that i just throw my hands up and go oh, man i don't know what's this world coming to i don't know Raymond. I think that's uh, part of it. So, Tony. Just 
And that the question is what? What did he build them with? Was it just superficial fluffy things? I know, I know groups that are like that. That, you know, everything's all nice and lovely, but when our time's coming, it's just it's not there anymore. Uh, they, they don't have anything, they don't have any cohesiveness beyond just superficial niceties. And are you established and, and, and rooted in good things? Because clearly they're not because of the petty squabbles that they have. And they don't realize how petty they are. <laughs> and so they think that they're wise and they think that they're high and mighty because they're the types of things that they elevate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and we have that. God offers that to us. Uh, you know, Psalm one twenty seven verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. And I think that's important for us to know. We got God's in control. He is the one that we're building a foundation, I and mean, He is the foundation that we're building upon. We need to trust in that and not be shaken. Jesse. Uh, finish out here uh, verses 18 through the end now some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I shall find out not the words of those who are the arrogant but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power now, I'm reading the wrong chapter aren't I? That's, you're all going what in the world it's like this is not resonating with me either thank you yep same page <laughs> Alright, let me go back. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Alright, uh, let me just start in 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas 
or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. You know, this idea of the foolishness of the world and the, the wisdom it, that is such an interesting, you know, the, the wisdom of this world, this foolishness before God. We, we as humans think we have it all figured out. We think we have the answers to all of the problems. And yet, you're probably old enough to see, you know, the things that they said 20 years ago are completely opposite of what they say now, which, oh, well, you know, now everybody's enlightened and has this new way of thinking or this is the right way to do something. It's like, they don't know. They're just, they're just grasping for something, for attention, for clicks. It's just, it becomes absurd sometimes of um, the wisdom of this world. Um, again, Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's a challenge for us to live in this world but not be of this world. To grow spiritually, to show the love that we have for each other. I just challenge you to uh, find ways to grow in your walk. We'll pick up in uh, chapter 4 on Sunday. Thank you for your thoughts tonight.